HVAC 360 is brought to you today by Lefty's Construction Mart. We have everything you need for your construction project under one virtual roof. This week at Lefty's, they're having a two-for-one clearance sale on no-cost change orders. Whether you're a contractor or an engineer, nothing makes a better present for an owner than a no-cost change order. Who cares how much it'll cost you to pick up a few of these beauties? The priceless smile on an owner's face is payment enough. Lefties, you're always in your right mind when you shop at Lefties. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is episode number 86. I'm Matt Nelson, your host for HVAC 360, where we help you go further and faster in the field of HVAC. Uh, at these podcasts, we're sharing stories, interviewing experts, and giving you the spark to jumpstart your HVAC. Uh, if you're new here and this want, leaves you wanting more, uh, definitely go check out and get on my list at HVAC360.com. And we will send you out weekly nuggets of goodness uh, and uh, fun, some fun and games we occasionally have. So um, go, ahead, uh, go ahead over there and sign up for my list. One of the things that I sent out uh, a couple of times in uh, the last couple of episodes we've made mention of this is the Ashway webcast. So this is your – if you're listening to it in real time, um, you have a couple more days to actually take a look at that on-demand web webinar. Uh, gets you three continuing education credits, um, and that's something that going forward, I think that a lot of people liked. So I'm going to send out notifications when other uh, CEU credits become available. Not that you can get CEU credits from listening to HVAC 360, but I think that there are some free ones out there that might be with your worth your time. All right, with that, this week I want to share three things that I've learned as of late uh, that either are or should be incorporated into company standards. And we will get to them right after a brief word from our sponsor. All right, so today we're going to be talking about company standards. Those are typically a, like a combination of a couple of things. Uh, a lot of them, like one part of them, is for just... Uh, an easy way to simplify design decisions. Uh, things like pipe sizing, duct sizing, uh, sizing of VAV boxes, uh, selection of materials, things like that. And other things are a little bit more, shall we say, expensive lessons. Lessons that either you know design build contractors or engineering firms have learned from uh, a, a negative financial situation that they've had with their project. Um, sometimes it doesn't always have to be like that, and sometimes it's kind of an, a novelty like, hey, we could have done it better this way. Why do we incorporate that standards? Uh, but they need to have this kind of review process of the things that went well with a project and some things that didn't go so well with a project. And that's kind of that's kind of the key to kind of circle around and take a look at your standards and see how you can make them better, uh, and typically done on a periodic basis. Most engineers I know assemble binders with this sort of information. It's, I mean, it's a lot of information to be an expert on, and between the calculations, selection, drawing, specifications, uh, quality control, it really takes a whole team to make sure that a project goes on without a hitch. Uh, but often the missing piece in really uh, 
taking these issues from the field and incorporating them to the standards is actually getting to the field. I, I mean, it, it, it's a simple enough kind of idea, but a lot of contracts are written around the fact that as an engineering firm, you might get out there twice during a, a whole process. I think that uh, when you're when you're involved in design build projects, uh, and I know I have, it's it's a lot easier. If you're ever an engineer with a design build firm, you get a lot more information back from the field. They'll because you'll get out there. Uh, and it's your job to make sure that everything goes smoothly. So you'll get that feedback right away. But not only do you need to get it, you get that feedback and incorporate it into what you do on a project-by-project basis, but you also need to share that information. So uh, in that vein, I wanted to share what could be three potential additions to your company's standards. Uh, this one I learned from a design-build contractor. They were talking about galvanized pipe, when and when not to use galvanized pipe. And, you know, this is something that you're going to have to research on your own. But they've they've made a company standard saying, hey, you know what? On domestic water systems, we've had problems with large galvanized pipe. I mean, we're talking like probably like, you know, six inch, eight inch, um, that size pipe. But they're having problems with uh corrosion and just kind of scaling uh, on the inside of the pipe to a point where uh, it was really affecting the flow and the pressure and, you know, flaking off and and really getting into uh, a lot of situations where it it just shouldn't. So they've made a kind of a flat out change at a certain size. Uh, They said, okay, you know, instead of this galvanized pipe that we're using for domestic water, we're actually going to go and we're going to use stainless steel. So, that was one of those things that they they looked into. So take a look at that. Think about it a little bit more. Maybe ask some questions on some of the you know piping material providers, uh, and uh, you know that might be something that you add to your standards. Uh, another thing that uh, uh, number addition number two, um, and this is for specifically you know four story or higher all wood constructions. Um, this is becoming more and more popular, uh, where you're having, uh, high, you know, four or more stories in all wood framing, um, that you need to be concerned about shrinkage. Okay. All wood is wet. All wood goes to the you know, project site and it has a certain moisture content and over the, you know, over a certain period of time, it is going to shrink. So what does that mean? Uh, when you are making, uh, you know, piping risers or out of PVC, um, they can actually end up damaging the pipe. Uh, and I, I, it's it's not if you don't do these things every day, you really have to think about it. The um, there's there's not a lot of information, but I have found some information out there regarding uh, how you handle this. Uh, a couple different ways, you know. I guess there's there's two different ways. If you're using, uh, again, if you're using a PVC pipe, uh, you want to make sure that there's expansion contraction uh, joints in there. Not not necessarily from you know the thermal movement per se, but from the structural movement. So it can actually move in certain controlled areas without cracking, because uh, it will shear some of the joints. Um, specifically, if you have a a vertical um, a vertical riser and then you have a uh, horizontal takeoff 
Um, so if that's going through a um, a stud, a wood stud, um, relatively soon, you can end up trapping that horizontal uh, pipe, and actually it kind of rips away from the uh, vertical riser as the structure dries and shrinks. So according to some of the uh, the uh, all wood construction people, uh, instead of having like a circular, you know, a circular hole where you drill through a stud, uh, you're supposed to have a like a, a slot. It looks more like a uh, uh, like a pill shape. So it's kind of like an oblong slot that allows an up and down movement um, for that for the piping. Um, it doesn't have to be too much more, uh, maybe like, you know, we're talking like an inch. And again, it kind of depends on how many stories. But if you're talking four stories, it may be like an inch above and an inch below the pipe um, at that takeoff. So that just uh, that slot allows it to to slide up and down and not get trapped and crack off at that joint. So uh, that is number two. Um and you know what? I, I'm going to list the uh, show notes uh, in the show notes. I'll uh, I'll point to the guide that I saw that in because it again it was kind of not something you know all the time, and it ends up being one of those things that who is responsible for kind of raising that flag? Is it the the plumbing engineer that needs to be able to say, hey, this is going to be a problem? Is it going to be the architect who says, hey, uh, there's going to be wood shrinkage? Maybe we should you know, uh, communicate to the engineer that they better look at this carefully, or is it a structural engineer, uh, his job to saying, you know, hey, we know that there's shrinkage in wood frame construction, you know, somebody has to be aware of that. I mean, at what point, whose responsibility uh, does that become uh, to let the team know that, you know, shrinkage is going to be a huge issue uh, for this uh, type of construction? Uh, and, and especially, you know, it's it's... You know, when you're talking about uh, wood frame construction, you're talking about maybe like multifamily uh, homes. If you're talking about apartments or condos or things like that, that uh, that may be, you know, going up. Um, that's the type of thing. So you're not only is it going to be an issue, but it's going to be an issue in a lot of places. So it can be one of those things that really um, that becomes an, that becomes an that becomes a very systemic issue like all over the place, causing a, a lot of damage. Edition number three, uh, and this one I kind of alluded to in one of my uh, weekly uh, weekly newsletters. This is about the hydronic differential pressure sensors. Um, ASHRAE has said that, you know, typically if you're an engineer and you've been in the business for a while, two-thirds rings a bell that you should put the, put the pressure sensor two-thirds of the way down the pipe. Uh, ASHRAE recommends that for certain systems, you put it at the, uh, the end, the last one, the most remote source. So you can kind of drive as much energy, uh, out of that system as possible. Um, so you're not kind of overpressurizing the system. You're just, you're supplying just enough. So the last, um, uh, the last coil, uh, gets what it needs as far as pressure and flow. So, Having said that, if you if you know anything about construction and piping, you know that the farthest run away from you know wherever the pumps are are probably going to be some of the dirtiest water. That's where all the water goes 
um, and uh, all the dirt, debris, everything gets stuck, caked on, shoved down into that that last little bit. So if you're going to put something that needs to, you know, know what the pressure of the water is, you need to have a way to not only clean it out um, very conveniently, uh, but you also need to have a way uh, to verify that it's the right that it's sensing the right pressure. Uh, and what I mean by that is that a lot of times uh, you can have control devices that you put into a system, but you don't uh, you don't give the balancer a way to obtain a reading. Uh, so if you, if a balancer can't obtain a reading for whatever reason, then it just it it you know they can't do anything they they literally they can't do anything they might tell the you know the mechanical contractor hey we need to add some more but by the time the te- you know test and balance uh, people get involved it's a little bit too late to you know add a tap here add a tap there um, so what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to add taps uh, and configure the bite uh, the the piping connections in such a way that not only can you you know, tap off for these this differential pressure sensor, but also provide a way for the balancing contractor to verify the reading of that pressure sensor. Because in the case, uh, in the case the, of the project that I had, it was reading twelve, and <laughs> without verification that twelve, and you know, it's reading in psi, so twelve psi, but it might have been might as well just been twelve because. I don't know if that was reading high, that was reading low, that needs to be recalibrated. Um, there was, you know, junk in the system affecting it. Um, typically, they give a way to kind of flush a pressure pressure sensor, um, but you need to be able to have a independent verification of that reading uh, so you can you can really understand and know that it's the lowest it can go to save that energy. All right, because and and again, that's one of those things that you may do it once to set up the system, but you need to do it periodically. Uh, so if if you can, uh, you know, kind of coordinate the pressure sensor location in some place that's convenient uh, for somebody to either read it or be able to kind of drain some water from it, because if it's in a difficult or sensitive location, uh, that's not going to help things. Uh, you need to be able to kind of manage that a little bit better. So those are the three tips that I have for you that you might want to add to your company standards. Uh, so my question to you is, what company standards have you created? Um, feel free to reach out to me and uh, connect. Uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, you can just respond and uh, just reply to that that uh, e-blast and just uh, just let me know what kind of standards that you've created that you thought were helpful that you want to share with everybody else to make sure that we all can design systems that are that work better uh, for not only contractors but for engineers and for owners. All right, well that does it this for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I know you are the the very best and the most aggressive learners out there, and I appreciate you for listening. Uh, if you know somebody who is involved in company standards who may want uh, a couple of these. Um, you know, you know, feel free to share this episode with them. Uh, not only that, you, I mean, you could end up saving them thousands of dollars or the company thousands of dollars by actually implementing any or all of these at some point in time. So they can, uh, they would uh, definitely appreciate that. 
Also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, please subscribe to my email list if you haven't already. That's at HVAC360.com for more weekly updates and uh, continuing education notifications. Uh, And if you're so moved to do so, I would greatly appreciate if you would consider leaving me a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, That certainly helps us in the rankings and um, helps bring attention to... uh, bring this podcast to more people's attention. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you go further, faster in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know.